Atticus is off to confer with some crabby old man from the past. According to him, an unwashed, potentially explosive type, sort of like the human equivalent of a propane tank. While I get to hang out in Colorado with the hounds, I think I have the far better deal. Oberon is so happy to have Orla here that the surfeit of his joy buffets me like the tide. Waves of exultation wafted about by the swishing of his tail. He is taken to asking every morning if he can talk to Orla yet, and is only mildly disheartened when I tell him no. We have all been running together in the forest after I climb out of bed, and that is such fun that it sugars over many disappointments. I bind myself to the shape of a jaguar, dark and sleek and liquid next to the bounding exuberance of the hounds and we dance through the trees and let the crunch of leaves beneath our paws announce our good cheer to the forest. We chase squirrels and the occasional deer and smell things that tell us stories of life and death in the woods. I am becoming more used to the smells and am not afraid of the form anymore. As with magical sight, the trick is in the filtering. Orla is gradually acquiring language. Right now she speaks to me in short bursts of words, the simplest of sentences. Fluency and syntax will come later, though she knows how to ask for new words, and her meaning is always clear to me through our bond, a sort of emotional and image spillover akin to the communication we share with elementals. She'd been at the rescue ranch because the newborn child of the couple that owned her turned out to be allergic to dogs. She misses them still and remembers how sad they were to give her up, but she is happy to be with us now. Her mental voice is a bit lighter than Oberon's, and she loves the trees here. Pine! Spruce! She says as we run, excitement evident in her words and in the movement of her tail. Town! Noises! Our mission today is to explore the small town of Ure on foot. Surrounded on three sides by the San Juan Mountains and only a couple of square miles in area, it rests in a sort of natural bowl with egress to the north. Yesterday we dug a cache above the town and buried money and a set of clothes for me, along with collars and leashes for the hounds. For though Ure is a very dog-friendly town, local ordinances require a leash at all times. Burying things, and digging them up again, of course, is half the fun. Now, dressed in jeans, sandals, and a black t-shirt announcing my affection for the legendary all-girl punk band The Laser Vaginas, I fold the paper bag that had protected my clothes and take it with me down the hill. The hounds gamble ahead turning back frequently to check on my progress, since I'm moving so much slower than before. Uray's economy largely depends on tourism. The majority of income derives from hotels, restaurants, and shops, selling gym cracks, souvenirs, and the occasional artsy doodad. A glassblower and a blacksmith keep shops going in the summers, and one guy does some amazing sculptures with chainsaws and tree trunks. Jeep touring companies make a killing as well, their income from the summer months supporting them for the rest of the year. Now that it's October and the temperature is dropping, the town is largely quiet, 
and safe for Orla to learn how to conduct herself in urban environments. The opportunity to teach her new words would be invaluable, too. Lacking a jacket and feeling the chill, I used the binding Atticus taught me to raise my core temperature, then call the hounds over as we approach the Uncompagre River, which marks the western edge of Ure. As I fix the collars onto their necks, I say aloud, Let's review the rules for behavior while we're in town. Oberon, you go first. We must not approach people, but let them approach us. Very good. <laughs>